listeners, this is Jack Oves Wetsuit here, your host of the NK News Podcast. I'm recording this on the evening of Monday, the 30th of May. And what you're about to hear is another one of my on-the-road podcasts. It's a selection of audio snippets and interviews uh, recorded on the road to the uh, NK News, NK Pro event, East Coast Exchange, that was held last week from Wednesday the 25th until Friday the 27th of May on the east coast uh, in Kangwon province. It's the uh, northeast, northeastern province of uh, South Korea and in the uh, county of uh, Gosong, Gosong-gun, that is uh, right up against the demilitarized zone just across the border from uh, the famous Kumgang Mountains or Mount Kumgang. I can't tell you anything that happened in the uh, the talks, the discussions. They were all off the record, covered by Chatham House Rule. What I can say is that former Special Representative to North Korea and Assistant Secretary of State Steve Began was our VIP special guest flown in to attend the East Coast Exchange uh, from the, the East Coast of the United States, all the way from the East Coast of the USA to the East Coast of Korea. Steve Began came to join us. And while I can't tell you what he said in his speech, I can say uh, quite proudly that he referenced the uh, episode of the NK News podcast in which he appeared. That's episode 192, if my memory isn't failing me. Uh, mentioned it no less than three times uh, during his speech and recommended strongly that people uh, go back and listen to it. Now, I, sorry, I beg your pardon, I've checked. It's episode 191. <laughs> okay, so he said, go back and listen to episode 191. Uh, and I did try to convince him to come on the uh, podcast for one of the audio snippets in this episode. Spoiler alert, he said no. Actually, he believes that uh, he has said that all that he's going to say on the record uh, about his time with North Korea in that episode, 191. So you won't hear him speaking on the record on this episode, unfortunately. But you will hear a number of other voices, some new and uh, and unfamiliar to you, and some of them you'll uh, be very familiar with from previous podcasts. Uh, it was a fantastic event. We do hope that more of you will subscribe to NK Pro and, and join us next year uh, at a similar event, whether that'll be in Gosongun or elsewhere in South Korea or even elsewhere in the world is uh, very much up in the air yet to be decided. But we do hope you find this on an interesting episode nevertheless. Oh, one thing I should tell you is that uh, going into the East Coast Exchange, there was some trepidation, actually for some people, expectation that North Korea would engage in a seventh nuclear test. Uh, that would be the first nuclear test in almost five years since the last one was approximately uh, September 2017, if memory serves. And North Korea was certainly sending signals, indirect signals that hadn't stated it was going to do a test, but there were some signals that something was afoot in the tunnels of Pungeri and that there might be a seventh test. In the end, there wasn't one, but uh, going into the East Coast Exchange, of course, we didn't know that, and there was some fear that it may upend the schedule of the East Coast Exchange completely because uh, obviously all the, the journalists, not just those from NK News and NK Pro, but also all of our, our guests from other outlets would have to suddenly uh, scramble to write stories and do pieces to camera and to a microphone to explain what had happened. But it, in the end, uh, the whole trip to uh, Gosong went without a hitch. There was no uh, nuclear test, nor was there a satellite launch. Of course, we all know that now in retrospect, but also uh, there were very few clouds in the sky. It was wonderful weather, and we had a beautiful, clear view into uh, North Korea. So, yeah, stay along for the ride, enjoy, and uh, I'll catch you at the end of the episode. Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome to the NK News Podcast. I'm your host, Jack O's Wetsuit, and it is just a little after 11 a.m. on Wednesday, the 25th of May, 2022. And I am on a bus with about 30 other people. We are shortly to depart for the east coast of South Korea to the county of Gosong in Kangwon Province. Kangwon Province is officially the only province of the two Koreas that is divided amongst North and South. There's a bit of it in North Korea and most of it lies in South Korea. And we're going to the very northernmost part of the southern South Korean part of Kangwon province to Gosong County uh, where we will go and visit the border, look over into North Korea, look at Kumgang-san 
and we'll be having a, a special three-day event for subscribers of NK Pro, the NK Pro platform, uh, which I advertise at the end of every episode, of course, uh, and invited guests. So we have uh, a bunch of people there. It's all uh, off the record. I hope to be able to encourage a few people to come on the record and record some words of wisdom with me that will be eventually stitched together to form the next episode of the NK News podcast. Uh, the mood is a little bit like uh, the beginning of a school camp. Everyone's excited, uh, wondering what's going to happen. The one thing I can tell you is definitely not going to happen is there will not be a lunch stop on the way to Gosham County. So we've either got to um, pick up something quick at a uh, restroom pit stop on the way or just uh, hold our horses until we get to the Rene Bleu Hotel by Walker Hill over there on the far east coast of uh, Gosham County. Uh, now sometime this morning, I've not uh, uh, checked on the time of this, but sometime overnight or this morning there was a, uh, a missile launch from North Korea, which has been already reported quite quickly by the uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff here in South Korea, and that will obviously be a topic of conversation uh, there at the East Coast Exchange. That's the name of the three-day event that we're going to. Uh, to talk all about North Korea from every possible aspect, I will be moderating a couple of panel discussions uh, one on the end game of uh, North Korea, what Kim Jong-un really wants, and one on uh, sanctions in a post-COVID world, uh, what they would look like in North Korea and what they might hope to achieve. In the meantime, uh, there is the question hanging over our heads of whether North Korea will test another nuclear device. Now, they haven't said they will, they haven't hinted at that, but there are signs that that may be something uh, in the offing. Whether that happens during the three days that we're actually on the East Coast, very close to North Korea. That's another question entirely, uh, and we'll find that out when we get there. The bus is just starting to, uh, to pull away from the, uh, the bus depot now here in, in central Seoul. Uh, I will update you listeners on the way there and hopefully get some interview grabs with some of the esteemed guests uh, during the day. We'll be at the first rest stop, perhaps the only rest stop on the way to Gosong County, here at the Gapyong Hyuge Sol. That's the Gapyong rest stop, otherwise known as Tasty One. Yes. And uh, we're about to go and get some of those fried potatoes. Chris, are you excited? I'm excited about the cafe over there. How long has it been since you've been to a Hyuge Sol for a meal? Many years, actually. I've been looking forward to it. Yeah, for me, it's probably about a decade or more. It's been a long time, but uh, I do have fond memories of um, salty, oily, small baby potatoes. Uh, yes. Nothing else was particularly tasty. No, mostly ghastly. Yeah. <laughs> mostly very, very ghastly. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we'll be stopping here. Maybe I'll get some comments from some, uh, some people on uh, the latest missile launch from North Korea or the state of the potatoes, ordang and kimbap here at the Tasty One Gapyong Hyugeso. I would say the potatoes are more important. Reviewing the potatoes is superior to reviewing North Korean missile launches any day of the week. Now, uh, Gapyong is very important in uh, Korean War history. This is where uh, the Australians fought a big battle against the North Koreans, and I think the Chinese as well. Are you familiar with the Battle of Gapyong? Uh, indeed, it is a very important area, a rich history yeah. uh, in that area, but I'm, I'm not personally a historian of the Korean War. Generally, every year in April, the, uh, the Australians come out here, also the Canadians and, and the Brits as well, for a memorial that... Uh, one of the cenotaphs in Gapyong. And a tour. And a An tour. extensive tour of the, uh, the battlefields of the area, yeah. All right, here we go. Let us see what they have for us at the Tasty One. It's quite busy, I must say, on a Wednesday uh, lunchtime. It is really busy. This place is pumping. Lots of tourists clearly heading east, maybe out to Gosong. Right, where are the potatoes? Are they normally outside? No, yeah. Well, they're all the, they're the same forever until they're not. And let's check out that way. There's also a restroom out there. Otherwise, there's always udong. Ooh, look, they're selling that uh, Korean ripoff of Lego. Are you still recording? Yes. Bit of bubble tea, maybe? No, bubble tea does not cut it for me, I'm afraid. Jeez, this place is massive. Queen's Black. Oh, it's, oh, it's a black bun burger. I might try that. It'd be quite nice. It could be. I do want to know. One's got an egg. Normally the potatoes would be around here somewhere. What? Why would there not be a market for potatoes anymore? Where? All right, let's do it. I think I just saw another foreigner.
having filled up on cheap, oily, salty potatoes and a whole head of cor- a ear of corn. Uh, I am now back on the bus with my bottle of shike, sweet and tasty Korean traditional rice drink, and we are back on the road again from Gapyong, heading east to Gosong County. I do recommend a trip to Gosong County if you haven't been there before. There's the uh, the best, probably the best North Korea-related museum in all of South Korea uh, is there. It's the DMZ or DMZ Museum in Gosong. It's right on the border. Uh, on the de- on the demilitarized zone, and from there there is a uh, an observation tower where you can look over at the Kumgang San or Mount Kumgang Mountains. So it, uh, Kosong is uh, definitely a great place worthy of visiting. One of the first thoughts that strikes me driving through Kangwon Province in the uh, late spring when it's absolutely green and uh, the, the hills are uh, covered with trees. It's quite beautiful out here in Kangwon. And, and immediately you think, well, A, it's beautiful, and B, these are the same hills that were completely denuded of every tree uh, after the Korean War. I uh, Years ago I met some Australian uh, Korean War veterans who told me about their experience at the Battle of Kapyong and how it was um, almost impossible to find any tree that was still standing because those that hadn't been cut down for heating or cooking fires were used as uh, barricades to hide behind and set up a, a machine gun nest or some other kind of a, a foxhole or emplacement. So the fact that Korean tree, South Korean uh, hills now are tree-lined and as beautiful as they are is a, a testament to the many decades of planting of trees reforestation programs uh, promoted heavily by uh, Park Chung-hee. Every year there was an Arbor Day. They don't have it as a public holiday anymore, but every year every school, every workplace would go out there and plant a number of trees and in some of the forests you'll see markers commemorating how many trees were planted in a given year. Uh, And and that is the reason that uh, the hills are no longer as bare as they used to be, nor are they covered with uh, with low, um, low-level low foliage or crops as they are in North Korea. North Korea, I, I found that many hills are also used for agriculture. So uh, corn, mainly corn, but also other things like uh, soybeans that be grown on them or sunflowers. Uh, but here in South Korea, the, uh, the hills are very forested. And here we are, we've just arrived at the Hotel Rene Blue by Walker Hill on the east coast of, uh, of Korea. And it's, uh, it's a lovely view outside. Jamie Banfield, what do you think of the view? It's great. There's an island ah. with some trees and some grass of some sort. And sand. sand. Yeah, so the beach is, I mean, we really are on beachfront here. It's, it's very close to the coast and we're waiting for check-in. Uh, say again, Tom Coiner. And it's with an army. We're waiting for a tsunami? I don't think so. I well, it could happen where we really have a perfect view of one. <laughs> You're always the pessimist. No, always the person ready for excitement. Ah, okay. Yep. If the ship sinks, we go down together, right? If the ship sinks, we do go down together, that's right. I'm now in the room of the Rene Bleu Hotel by Walker Hill here in Gosong uh, with Chris, with whom I'm sharing the family suite, not because we're a family, but because NK Pro has decided that we're bunking together. How do you feel about that, Chris? I couldn't be happier. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. Excellent. Uh, well, so while we've been here uh, enjoying uh, a walk on the beach and a, uh, a beer on the balcony, things have been going on. Actually, even starting early this morning, uh, there's been some uh, some tests of uh, missiles from North Korea. Do you recall the uh, the de- any of the details on that? No. Okay. Well, uh, all I've got is that there were, I think, three projectiles fired, one of which may have been an ICBM. Uh, details, to, of course, to be confirmed on nknews.org. Uh, and then this afternoon, not far from us here in Kangnung, apparently there were some uh, live fire exercises uh, from the uh, the U.S. and ROK forces together, sort of uh, firing back. I mean, is that prompted by? Is likely to be prompted by the North Korean test? Is that how it works, Chris? 
It can be how it works. Um, in par- on past occasions, the the South Koreans and the US have responded uh, with uh, exercises of their own when the North Koreans have launched missiles. We got an experience of that back in March. And to me, it seems unusual that the US is actively involved in a, a missile firing exercise from South Korea. Sure, South Korea fires missiles from time to time, but that the US is actually an active partner in it. Does that happen? Well, the, the two are in a military alliance and there is communication between them. So maybe the reporting of it is different or maybe there are some different um, different modes of behavior this time. But of course, the two do collaborate on uh, on their military alliance, naturally. And the uh, the thing that we're all asking ourselves now over here on the East Coast in Kangnung is, will there be a seventh North Korean nuclear test uh, while we're out here? Not that this is a, a, a dispositive factor in North Korea's decision making, but what are some reasons why there could or perhaps would not be a, a nuclear test right now from North Korea? Look, there are the, the the main issue here is what you think North Korea's end goal is that might determine whether you think it is more or less likely that they would conduct a, mil- a nuclear test now. Now, the fact is that there, are, there is intelligence being uh, quite openly uh, indicated by the South Koreans and the American government saying that they are picking up signs that North Korea is preparing for a nuclear test, that the seventh nuclear test will happen. I'm not suggesting that it will not. There is no reason to believe that this intelligence is wrong, um, although North Korea may choose not to do it to try and give us that impression. But that's it. Just to recap, the, the last test, the sixth one, was back in, what, September 2017, right? Yeah, that's right. So it's been several years. And, you know, my argument would be that if the North Koreans really wanted to be treated as a normal but nuclear-armed state, therefore not subject to sanctions but permitted to keep their nuclear weapons. Like an India or a Pakistan? Precisely like an India or a Pakistan. Then they would be very wise to stick to the claim they made in 2018 that they no longer needed to conduct nuclear tests because they had completed their nuclear deterrent. That was after their sixth test, which would put them in the club, as you rightly indicate, with India and Pakistan in terms of the number of tests they've done. To return to nuclear testing now in the long run decreases the possibility of them being treated as a normal nuclear-armed state that is not subject to sanctions, right? It's going to make them look more like a rogue state and less like uh, a future partner uh, that is permitted to, to, to have nuclear weapons. So in the long run, conducting a seventh nuclear test is unwise, but in terms of North Korea's short-run aspirations to become uh, a very important pending potentially crisis situation, or to, to, to indicate that Northeast Asia is facing that kind of situation, then a seventh nuclear test will certainly accomplish that goal. So it does depend on what North Korea finds to be its, um, its main interests at this time. You said also it depends on, uh, on what North Korea's end goal is, what Kim Jong-un's end goal is. Is this, uh, when you say end goal, I mean, we're talking really long term, like where Kim Jong-un wants his country to be, perhaps even after he dies many years in the future? Yes. I mean, this isn't really a discussion of, for example, does North Korea seek to overrun South Korea and unify under its own terms or anything like that? More like, is North Korea keen to ultimately be a quote-unquote normal but nuclear-armed and prosperous state? If that were the end goal in you know, 20, 50 or 100 years, um, then this would be an unwise course of action. Is there any way to know what North Korea's end goal is? Not unless you can ask them. Has anyone asked them? <laughs> not recently, no, no. Unfortunately not. Is the International Crisis Group, for which you are the senior consultant on the Korean Peninsula, uh, has, has the ICG attempted to ask? Uh, no. We we would need to take a fair few steps further up the food chain before we get a chance to do that. Because yeah, it does seem like an important question, isn't it? That uh, I mean, I, you know, with, with countries like India and Pakistan, it, it seems reasonable to say that we, we kind of know what they want to be. They want to be prosperous and to be, as you say, a, uh, a nuclear-armed state, not subject to sanctions. But with North Korea, we're always kind of guessing a little bit, speculating what actually is the goal there, because we don't know... The, the degree to which the stated messages align with the internal intentions. 
Right, and that, that uncertainty, fostering that uncertainty, is, is unquestionably to North Korea's advantage, at least in the short to medium. Yeah, why is it in the interest of North Korea, or why could it be in the interest of North Korea to be unclear about its intentions or its goals? Well, let me answer that by giving you an example. North Korea's best option for dealing with South Korea in the short to medium term is to foster uncertainty and conflict within South Korean politics, because that keeps South Korea uh, disunited, which is to North Korea's advantage. If North Korea does not make it clear what its aspirations and its end goals are, then South Koreans fight amongst themselves for for an answer to that question. So maybe if you are a right winger here in South Korea, you might think that North Korea aims to re- reunify under a communist regime and you are perhaps a strong anti-communist uh, thinker and you want to keep North Korea at arm's length, containment, deterrence, and so on. If you think North Korea is simply trying to have national security but then just live peacefully with South Korea, uh, then you would approach North Korea and, and alliance politics and the international arena in a different way. So by North Korea not telling us what they want, not being clear about what they want, they permit this conflict to fester inside South Korea. In 2022, what threat does South Korea present to North Korea? It's pretty clear that there's no will in South Korea to absorb or attack North Korea. So what's the threat there? And why does North Korea need to, why is it in North Korea's best interest to keep South Koreans at each other's throats? What's the threat? You say there's no threat from South Korea, and you say there's no will to absorb North Korea. Uh, That may be true right now. I mean, we could argue whether it is true right now, but it may be true right now. But South Korea is a democratic system. Someone could come to power who takes a different view. And structurally speaking, if you look at South Korea, it's armed to the teeth, for better or worse, in a military alliance with the most powerful country on earth. You don't need to be sympathetic towards North Korea to see that North Korea would perceive the international arena as full of threats. Okay. Thank you very much, Chris Green. We'll leave it there for now. Always a pleasure, never a chore. We may talk again after the seventh nuclear test tomorrow morning. (laughs) I look forward to it. Hey, Chad. Uh, How are you feeling about this East Coast exchange? Very good. Uh, we've been planning this event for about six months now, seven months. In fact, in fact, about two years. Yeah. But coronavirus has, has delayed it, and uh, it's kind of a secretive event. Like we've not promoted this online. There's no public awareness about it. Right. Uh, it's for NK Pro members and invited guests only, isn't it? That's right. And uh, we've really gone for a VIP audience. And the goal was really just to bring together uh, a bunch of people, spend three days together, and keep the the conference programming to a minimum and just create a lot of space for going to the beach we've just been splashing around in the water um not doing an overload of you know you know how it is jacko and Sol, where you have those, those panels where it's like seven people on a stage and it's 90 minutes in the conference and you only get 15 minutes between the, the between the panels to talk and it's all men <laughs> and it's all men it's very diverse here <laughs> yeah it's very diverse here and yeah so uh, the genesis of this is uh, I went to a, an event in Salzburg, Austria, uh, about five years ago, which was a five-day conference with 40 experts. The same, I've just copied the concept and, and applied it here, but with a slightly bigger crew. And I, I, you know, you had diplomats there, you had defectors, you had UN panel of experts, people, and a lot of those people I met have stuck with me as as contacts, as uh, informants, you name it, and. Um, I just thought it was magical back then, and uh, we're, we're trying to do the same thing here, and uh, it's uh, yeah, it's really great. Um, Are you hoping to do this every year? Good question. Uh, I think it would be lovely to do it every year. Uh, we've just been, as you know, at the border today, and we had a briefing. I think some of those things are not replicable on a yearly basis if you have the same kind of crowd, but there is a lot of rotation in, in Seoul with diplomats and military. So, you know... And at the same time, Jeju Forum, there are the, you know, there's Brussels right. Forum. There, there are lots of events that take place in certain cities. So we Pyeongchang could, Peace yeah, Forum. We could, we could, you know, it's a great place to be. And I've never been to Salzburg. Salzburg was amazing. Yeah, that was that was great. I think there'd be high excitement about going there next year. Yeah. I think this is a, a conference that's better on tour. Uh, you, you, we've done Tokyo together. We've done yeah. DC. We've done Brussels. Uh, we've done Brussels. Yeah. yeah. So maybe we pick. Uh, Singapore and Berlin were actually on our list. Um, Berlin. Uh, but those got cancelled due to coronavirus. So, 
But how have you found it, Jacko? I've, I've really enjoyed meeting, actually, I'm surprised at how many people I don't know in the North Korea space. So I've met about 20 to 30 new people here. Uh, and it was my first time to ever go to an observation, but the observation post northernmost in South Korea. So it's the, uh, I, I don't know what name it is, maybe it's Gosong Obser Observation That's Post, amazing. but it's, it was a fantastic view right across the border into uh, the Kumgang Mountains. With live zoom camera. I don't know how that guy trained, but basically when, when he was... The, the uh, speaker was describing all the locations. There was a guy with a TV studio style yeah. camera with a seat who yeah. would swivel around and just zoom perfectly without a, a floor to just random places like two or three miles away. And he did it flawlessly over and over again. It was remarkable. Yeah, he would, so the, uh, the narrator would say, for example, and over there at, the ten, at, ten, at your 10.30 o'clock direction, there is a North Korean guard post uh, with a man standing outside. And he would zoom and, and just, uh, just capture it. Yeah, just perfect. Yeah. I don't know what the training is like for that. Perhaps he's, perhaps he's uh, preparing for a job on television. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. But no, all in all, fantastic. Uh, and I don't want to just shamelessly product plug or anything here, but if if you are curious about this kind of experience, we are going to these same sites, Jacko and I, yeah. in uh, September, and in it's September. it's open access. If you want to come, uh, you can pay the fee. It actually works out uh, at less than $200 a day for your food, your lodging, to be surrounded by, unfortunately, Jacko and I. But you also- <laughs> There are others. You also have some very big experts coming and they're just gonna hang out and and kick about on a beach and go to very interesting sites. And there are, I think, just less than half the spots available now. And we've got only uh, still four months to go. So those tickets will go soon. If you wanna book, go to NK News and there's a banner in the side. You click it, it says uh, North Korea from Close Up Tour. And uh, Jacko, in fact, and, and I will be joining this, this West Coast Park. We'll be oh, here. Yeah, that's right. We'll be here at the uh, in the middle of September. So do come along. Check us out on nknews.org. The reason we've got Jacko, in addition to being a great podcast host, is because he used to be a tour guide in North Korea. So. I did used to be a tour guide uh, also in South Korea for the American military. Oh. So I've done it. I've done it on both halves of Peninsula now. There you go. Fantastic. All right. Thanks, Chad. I'm going to go talk to some more people. Good, good stuff. I'm out here on the balcony with John Delury from Yonsean University, who's laughing at me for mispronouncing, pismonouncing something earlier. And I'm, I'm going to say it again now. And I'm also here with the Israeli ambassador, Akiva Tor. Welcome. How are you? I'm, I, uh, I'm excited to be here. Hey, what have you th both of you thought about this event, this, uh, this three-day East Coast? I like to call it East Coast Escape, but it's actually East Coast Exchange. Oh, I'll, I'll leave you waiting there, John. Let's start with you, Akiva. What have you thought about this? First of all, it's the first time I visited on the East Coast, and it was actually the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about it like that. We, we call it the East Sea here. <laughs> actually, it's, uh, it's been a marvelous gathering of people. I'm so happy to do it now that uh, COVID is over. Mm. I think NK Pro really did a great job, both logistically, intellectually. The trip up to Gosang Observation Post was unique. Right. And it's been a chance to really meet um, uh, the whole ecosystem of experts who speak the English language here in Korea in a very concentrated way. And it's been unbelievably useful. And I have to tell my the diplomatic corps they should be here. That's great. We'll uh, we'll send the check in the mail. Uh, now we, we were very. I think we we're very fortunate that uh, there's a an observation post uh, for Gosong that the tourists can go to. But we through our connections with the retired general uh, uh, John and Bomb, we're able to go actually into the demilitarized zone to a, a real military observation post and look over into. Uh, into North Korea and look at the beautiful Kumgang Sun Mountains. Today was a very clear day. It was quite lucky. Uh, John, what are your thoughts about just about the event in, in general or about looking at the North Korea? I imagine you might have been up there before. Yeah, no, that was quite extraordinary. I've been to the, the DMZ, but in different spots, never out here. And um, when you're there on a clear day like we had today, uh, you can feel how close it is. You know, it's like you can reach out and touch it and you feel the division in a very different way, you know. Um, so that was a very powerful experience for me. And like Akiva was saying, this sort of gathering, it's been like three years, you know. And for something like North Korea and putting together the disciplines that are represented here, we all know, you know, we're all the, the blind men and women with this elephant and we understand different parts of it. And you, you can't 
really do this unless you get together. Uh, and so that the gathering of community is really fantastic. I mean, honestly, I feel quite indebted to NK News to do this. Now, there was some expectation this morning that there may actually be a nuclear test today. It seems to have not happened. We didn't get any call or text about that. But, I mean, that's probably a good thing that there was no test today, right? I, yeah, I mean, no one wants a nuclear test. I don't know. Maybe some of the journalists here, actually. <laughs> right. Actually, yeah, the, that's right. There probably are a few journalists who were uh, for hoping for that. But that would have been number seven, which is um, quite a lot, or the first one in five years. That There do seem to be some uh, rumors that, that one is in the offing. Would you? Why would you think that North Korea would, would need to do that at this time? I don't know they need to. I mean, they at this time, they... It's up to them when they want to do it. They have technical reasons. They need to uh, constantly, you know, test and improve their capabilities. They probably want to show, someone pointed out, it may be if it happens smaller because they want to show, you know, miniaturization and sort of uh, rather than demonstrating how huge it can be, like 2017, they want to show that this can be mounted on a warhead. And so there are always technical reasons. And until they actually... Uh, you know, launch an ICBM with a nuclear warhead mounted and do it over the Pacific Ocean, then we're all we're always going to have reasons to say, well, they haven't fully demonstrated it. So they have to keep kind of proving the case. And that's the for technical and political reasons, uh, given that there's no active diplomacy, there's nothing really for them to lose. Mm -hmm. They always have a reason or they have a reason now. You know, none of us will be surprised uh, for sure. Akiva, how does the diplomatic community in Seoul generally look upon uh, North Korean tests of things like missiles and, and nuclear uh, devices? I think they think it's pretty horrendous. I mean, uh, John gave an analytical attitude which could explain the, the North Korean um, uh, approach, but let's let's consider it. Who else, who else in the world is, uh, is conducting nuclear tests? It's only These days, yeah. Only here, and uh, I think that it will really shake things up. I think that if they actually demonstrate the viability of a warhead, it will it will cause a lot of concern in very very many places. Can I add one thing? Sure. Um, yeah, to to keep his point, I mean, one of the things, if it happens, uh, that we'll all be watching. Certainly, I'll be watching is China's reaction. You know, because. Uh, China doesn't like this either, uh, but uh, both China and Russia are sort of dealing, especially Russia, mm -hmm. uh, dealing with uh, with another part of the world and other pressures. And so for me, the, the test, I can kind of anticipate the U.S. reaction, for example. I feel I can pretty much predict South Korea's reaction, although it'll be a big test for the new administration. But how will Beijing, would they play? Uh, a nuclear test, which they will not be happy about, but, you know, whether that means they really put uh, even temporarily significant pressure in North Korea and how that would manifest, uh, as Akiva said, analytically, will be like one of the big questions uh, that I'll be watching if it happens. Thank you, gentlemen, very much. I'm now talking to podcaster, YouTuber, broadcaster extraordinaire, originally from North Korea, Yuna Jong, who was on my podcast before. Hello, Yuna, good to see you again. Good to see you again, Jacko. <laughs> And uh, today you had a very unusual experience. You went into the demilitarized zone from the southern side and you looked into North Korea, your former homeland. How did you feel about that? Um, sad and at the same time depressed. And um, I couldn't find a proper word to explain my uh, feeling. Yeah. It was really sad, yeah. It, it maybe it felt very close and also very far at the same time. At the same time, it's really close. So I can see it. it's a, it's a visible, but the place I cannot go. So it feel like weird, you know. You can see it, and I know it's my hometown and uh, my land, but I, I I cannot go. So it's it's kind of like a unusual feeling. Yeah. Right. Had you, uh, since you came to South Korea many years ago, had you been to the demilitarized zone somewhere before and looked into North Korea, or was today the first time? No, I, uh, I have been there several times. Ah. Yeah, but different seasons. Different seasons. Yeah, so uh, the, the view today yeah. was really beautiful, you know, like blue sky right. and 
It's really a clear sky. So I think today was the best day and then and best look uh, of Kumgang Mountain. Yeah, we were looking into Kumgang Mountain, which is at the southeast corner of North Korea. Your home province is in Jagang province Jagang in the province. north, bordering with China. Uh, yeah, it's a border. It, it has a border, but uh, Jagang province is itself is a very protect uh, and and district area. So um, even though it has a border, but nobody attempts to cross the river, ah. Amrok River, uh, Yalu River. Yeah. And, and when you lived in North Korea, did you ever visit Mount Kumgang from that side? Uh, actually, Kumgang Mountain is not allowed for uh, normal civilians. Oh. So it's like, you know, militarized area. So um, even higher rank or, or, you know, like powerful people, yeah. they cannot go easily. Uh, like not like a Myohyang Mountain or Chilbo Mountain like that. So Kumgang Mountain is not the place uh, North Korean people can enter easily. Ah. Earlier today, during the conference part, uh, you shared a bit about your experience with the North Korean medical system because, of course, COVID is going in, around in North Korea right now. And you talked about your experience uh, visiting doctors and trying to get medicines. Uh, can you give a, a short overview of, of that for our listeners? For uh, getting medicine in North Korea? Uh, for, so, for example, let's say you become sick, you have um, a, a headache and your stomach is, is uh, sick and you want to go and see a doctor. Is it easy to go and see a doctor? And also, what about getting medicine? Uh, normally, if it's not uh, need surgery, you don't go to doctor because ah. uh, North Korean people, they survived, uh, they got through severe time, right? So they don't really afraid of anything. But if you need to go to uh, get surgery, yeah. yeah, for sure, you go to uh, doctor and go to hospital. But normally when you have a fever, they just diagnose by themselves and just getting a, a pain painkiller or, or pill so just like uh, cover themselves. So they just, just don't go to hospital or, or seeing a doctor. Not like here. And where do you go to get medicine? Are there pharmacies in North Korea? Uh, there's no pharmacy, unfortunately. But um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you need to go to Changmadang. Uh, okay, market. to the, the street market. Yeah, street market with uh, list. And sometimes you don't need a list because you already had a fever once in your uh, lifetime. Yeah. So they think that, oh, maybe I got a cold, uh, maybe I got a flu, so maybe I need to get a shot, yeah. or maybe I need to get a painkiller, and that's all. So that's why they just go to Changmadang and get uh, pills or whatever medicine from there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you go to a smuggler's house that they uh, get some medicines from China. So sometimes Changmadang doesn't have that thing, but smugglers have. Then you go to smugglers' house and get it. Uh, and there's not pharmacy, but every village uh -huh. have that kind of house. Ah. Yeah, so it's not really difficult to get medicine there. But the problem is, is it fake or is it real? Right. That's the problem. Now, if you need to get a shot, if you need to get an injection of mm -hmm. something and you buy the, the, the drug at the market, mm -hmm. Who gives you the injection? Do you do it yourself, or yeah. does the man in the market do it, or does your no, mother no, do no, it? No, 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 yourself. So you have to go home with this needle and you yeah. jab it into yourself. Right. Sometimes parents do, but um, if my mom was sick, she did it herself. Ah. And I know how to shot. Okay, <laughs> wow. And you also talked about um, when you were young in elementary school, getting a vaccination for some kind of diseases, and you said that um, something interesting that the needles were used again and again for multiple people, is that right? Yeah, that's why I told you. I thought they told me my blood type was O, but when I arrived in South Korea, they told me my blood type was B. So I told them, no, my blood type is O. They said, no, you're B. So who told you it was O? Uh, the North Korean hospital. The doctor told me. <laughs> so. Were they looking at somebody else's blood? I think they used a uh, used needle. Ah. Yeah. So I believe they tested uh, some other 
people blood right. yeah and also when I got the vaccine when I was in kindergarten and high school student I saw they used the same needle Wow. yeah wow. and is that because um, there there are not enough needles in North Korea I think they don't have one-time uh, needle, so uh -huh. that's why they are uh, recycled all the time. Mm -hmm. But in the, at the school, the situation was not enough to uh, boiling that things every single time. Yeah. So maybe that's why they use the same needle. I don't know for now, but you know, I only talking about my experience. Right. What? When did you leave North Korea? Which year was that? Uh, two thousand six. Two thousand six. And did you learn anything interesting uh, yesterday or today, or did you meet any interesting people? I have met a lot of interesting people here, and the one thing uh, it actually surprised me about um, how many people actually care about North Korean people mm. and so interested in North Koreans' uh, human rights and then also uh, COVID-19 cases. So they are so worried about them and they care about uh, North Korean people. So it makes me really it, it touched my uh, feeling. Mm. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you very much, Yuna. Nice to talk to you again. Oh, nice to talk to you again, too. <laughs> and I'm here right now with Jongmin Kim, the lead correspondent for NK News Seoul. Hi. Hi. How's your day been? Uh, it's been hectic for both two days, but I'm very glad to see that everybody has been having a very informative time in Kosong. And uh, I want to say thanks to Kylie who organized all this. Yeah, well, actually, I'd like to talk to Kylie about that. Uh, anyway, uh, how long have you been working on uh, North Korea-related news now? It was since 2017 when I started working for CSIS during the Fire and Fury days. Uh, but if I just count in journalism, it was since 2018 when there were all the summits. And today was your, f I believe, was your first time to, well, the f closest you've actually got to North Korean territory, isn't it? Yes, so if you ask me what was most memorable today, that was definitely it. Because it was such an ironic situation because I'm a South Korean. I've been living on this peninsula for almost 30 years. And I've been covering North Korean issue for almost five years now. But this is the closest I've ever gone to North Korea. I've seen Kumgang Mountain very close with my own eyes, and in the room, there were so many people who actually been to North Korea multiple times, but I haven't been there ever, but this is the closest I've been, and I felt quite emotional, actually. Yeah, and we, we met some uh, some young soldiers who were part of the, you know, the, the, the large group of uh, military folks who were here uh, protecting that uh, that border between, well, not border, but the demilitarized zone between the two Koreas, uh, and, and what, what thoughts went through your head? So first of all, I thought there are, they must be my age is one thing that I thought. And the reason why I said I got quite emotional, I don't get emotional usually when it comes to like during work hours especially. I'm, Unless you see a cat photo or video. Yes, of course, uh, yeah. But, um, but today was different because it's different from when I am covering border-related news stories, looking at the map, looking at the Google map, calculating the meters, or looking at uh, South Korean and North Korean documents. Um, it's very different from that when you're actually there looking at the military personnel who are guarding the area all the time. And it was, so, it was, it, it was quite something because I could feel very, very directly, I could feel that they are um, dedicating very big chunk of their life to provide security, protection, and freedom, basically, to the people who are living south of the border. And it was, yeah, it was quite something. It, it, uh, uh, somebody said, you know, it, it's a common phrase or slogan that freedom is not free, but I guess you... I guess you thought about it in, in, in a different way today, perhaps. Right. Usually when I hear freedom is not free, that is usually in statements, like joint statements, ah. leader summits. Um, like, like, let's go together. Kachi Kapshidara. Press guidance. Um, it's usually a rehearsed line. Yeah. But reminding of that phrase, standing there, sitting there, looking at the, looking at the border, looking at the people who are actually staying in that area, trying to guard it. Um, I 
felt it to my heart that freedom is not free, and we should um, remember that when we are not there, actually. And you, you were, had earlier today um, moderated a discussion with a, a young woman who's come from North Korea originally. Uh, we do have a real diversity of views here at this conference, people from all across the spectrum, Korean, non-Korean, sympathetic towards North Korea, hawkish on North Korea. Um, what do you think about having such a, a, a rich mixture of, uh, of opinions here? Is it just confusing? Is it a cacophony of chaotic views? Or, or is, that what, um, you know, is that what's really good about this? I think cacophony of chaotic views is what democracy is supposed to be, honestly, uh -huh. and especially in these day and age. But um, I think the discussions were constructive because we all know that we all have different views. But I enjoyed the fact that how people were very open uh, to talk about what they actually feel in a very safe environment uh, without hedging. And that was quite something. That, that was why I was proud of this event because I felt like we were building a community. I think building a community is very important for people who cover the same beat, study the same beat, looking at the same thing, um, especially when they don't have the same views. And spending three, two, day, uh, two nights and three days together, actually walking near border areas together, even though we have different views on North Korea and how to approach sanctions, how to approach China, how to approach denuclearization, whether or not South Korea will have nuclear weapons, we all have very much different views. But we enjoyed each other's company, mm -hmm. and we were very open to listening to each other's views. And I thought that was very healthy. I am now with Carly Park, the logistical genius who has organized this whole event here at the East Coast Exchange. Carly, welcome on the NK News podcast. Hello, nice to meet you everyone. I'm Kylie. I'm a project officer at Korea Risk Group. And those with a good ear for language will have noticed that Kylie has a little bit of an Australian accent. I, I do, but sometimes people think that I'm also having an American accent as well, so I'm a bit of both, I guess. Okay, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, so, how do you feel uh, the event has gone. This is now the, I should tell our listeners that we're almost at the end of day three. How do you feel about it? Um, to be very honest, I was very worried because obviously it's our first time preparing this event and we're bringing large number of people to like really far from Seoul. How many are we? Are we over 100? Um, I think we're up to 90 people. Okay. Yeah, but we have like a 90, 95 guests. Everyone basically from Seoul, even from overseas. But you know what, in the end, I think it turned out really well. I think everyone had a really good time, including myself, which I'm very grateful for. Yeah, um, so yeah. What was the highlight for you? Well, my highlight, I think many people enjoyed the first night at the rooftop with a great view, with great food. Um, and then also the second day, we went to the Kumgangsan Observatory, which is normally prohibited by pub, um, from uh, public people. Um, so yeah. Had you ever seen Kumgangsan in real life before? No, absolutely not. So when I saw the view, I was obviously mesmerized. It's definitely my first time. And as a Korean person, it was somehow really touching. Yeah, yeah as well. Yeah. Near and far at the same time? Exactly, and also I've been hearing about Kumgangsan through my whole life. And right, in poems, in sayings, in, in songs, in everything really. Exactly, and then like first time actually seeing Kumgangsan in my entire life and then the briefing they provided was amazing as well. So it was very informative, at the same time very emotional for me personally, yes. And have you met some interesting people here without giving any names? Oh yeah, oh absolutely, of course. I mean, because I've been often communicating over email with those people and it was really, really nice to see them finally in person, introduce myself in person. Yeah, so it was really nice to see everyone, yeah. How long have you been working with NK News and NK Pro now? Well, actually this month is my first year anniversary. Yay, yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you very much. Were you interested in North Korea before you came here? Well, yeah, I was actually a graduate student right before I joined this company and I wrote my thesis on US-North Korea. Yeah, so definitely. Okay, and have you learned anything interesting over the last few days that you didn't know before? Anything surprising? Well, the biggest surprise is, actually not surprise, I already knew it, but like I, I love how every of our um, guests 
were very engaging and very generous and social. And I really, really appreciate how everyone just opened the discussion inside and outside the panel discussion. And it was so informative and engaging, yeah. Any disappointments? Anything you would do better next time? No, well, actually, I have a, a few things that I feel, oh, we need to improve this. But it's mostly from, as a, a, from me as a preparation you know, team, um, not from any guest or any other logistics-wise, yeah. And you hope to do another one again before the end of this year or will it only be one per year? Absolutely. I mean, I don't know. But, like, you know what? I really wish that we can do this at least once a year. That's my aim. And I really want, you know, I'll try my best to make it work. I think at least twice a year, Connie. What do you think? That'll be uh, amazing. Uh, that'll be amazing, Jacob. We should probably, you know, plan for something. Right, let's lobby champ. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Connie. Congratulations on planning a wonderful event and also congratulations on your first year anniversary at NK News and NK Pro. Thank you very much, Jacob. I look forward to work with you for many years ahead. Thank you. <laughs> Me too. Thanks, Connie. I am now aboard the bus back from Corsong to Seoul. We're waiting to depart, waiting for the signal. It has been an interesting three days here on the East Coast, talking about Korea, uh, talking about North Korea, I should say, in all its aspects and forms and from various different perspectives. There's been some strong arguments and uh, back and forth and disagreements. Ultimately, nothing is resolved, but that's the nature of conferences. But hopefully we've all walked away a little bit wiser and knowing a few more things that we didn't know when we got here. And of course the most major thing about conferences is uh, building connections with people that we didn't know before. Hopefully those connections will lead to fruitful collaborations and exchanges of thought and also great podcasts in the future as I invite people to come back on the show and talk to us. So thanks for listening to this episode about the East Coast Exchange hosted by NK Pro off on the east coast of, North, of South Korea. It's been a great trip and hopefully we'll have another one soon and hopefully we'll see you all there listeners as you subscribe to NK News and then NK Pro. Keep listening.